Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. A Gentle Thief, written and performed by Amanda Dixon. Episode 13. In Episode 12, Maddie's father, Ike Johnson, marries Samantha. This is not a happy day for Maddie. It's not that she doesn't like Samantha necessarily. It's just that it makes her mother even more angry and her father farther away. Samantha comes into money and buys Maddie a car, which brings Maddie a good deal of pleasure until it brings tragedy. And now, episode 13 of A Gentle Thief. Christmas night, 1983. The phone was ringing. It sounded like it was off somewhere in the distance. Maddie was staring out the front window. Dusk always made her sad, and Christmas dusk was like the end of everything. The phone stopped ringing. Then it started again. The brief interruption in its clatter snapped Maddie out of her state, and she walked to the bedroom where she had left the phone on the bed. Hello? She answered without expectation of who it might be. Oh, thank God. Where have you been? I've been calling all day. Her mother sounded close to tears. I went for a walk, Maddie said, seeming to just remember. You had me worried half out of my mind. I thought something had happened. Her mother wanted to cry. I'm sorry. Maddie came back to where she was and what day it was. I didn't mean to worry you. I just, I didn't want to be cooped up here all alone all day. That's why I was worried about you. It's Christmas Day, and you just got divorced, and you're in love with some lunatic, and... I'm not in love, Maddie corrected her, seeming to realize that it was true. Well, I knew that was never going to last. What kind of a man could he have been to ruin your marriage in the first place? He didn't, Mom. Anyway, I got the computer. My goodness, Madeline, you shouldn't have gotten me something so expensive. I haven't figured it out yet, but I'm going to have Danny. Remember Grace's son, Danny? Come over and walk through it with me. I could help you over the phone if you want. It's not hard. It's really just plugging a couple of cords in. I don't know if I'll be able to get the hang of it, but I like the idea. What I don't like is how much money you must have spent on it. You know I hate your spending money on me. That was true. I'm glad you like it, Mom. And you're not supposed to think about the money. It's a present. Did you get the cookbooks I sent? Her mother asked. 
oh, yes, I'm sorry. I, I got them Monday. They look really great. I was going to use one of the recipes last night, but it, it didn't work out. You aren't seeing that what's-his-name, are you? No. No. The second no was more resolute. Maddie wandered into the bedroom as her mother talked, sat down on her side of the bed, and opened the bedside table. Her mom was talking about her aunts and how cranky they were on the phone this Christmas, and how her cousins were spoiled rotten and totally unappreciative of how hard some people had to work for a living. Maddie noticed the gun in her drawer, took it out, and flipped open the cylinder. It was fully loaded. She always kept it that way. Maddie? Her mother pushed. Yeah. She set the gun on the bed. I asked when you were coming home next. And for that matter, why don't you just move back here? You're not married to Robert anymore. There's no reason for you to stay in Utah. And there are plenty of teaching jobs back here. I heard about one in Bloomsburg just the other day. I don't know, Mom. Maybe I'll come back during spring break. Let me know so I can tell everybody you'll be here. I'm sure your grandmother will want to see you. I, I gotta go. Maddie sounded tired. Answer your phone when I call from now on. Don't scare me like that. Okay. And stay away from what's-his-name. Con. I love you. Okay. Maddie clicked off the phone and set it down on the bed next to the gun. Then she picked up the gun and popped the cylinder back in. She held the gun up as if she were pointing it at someone in the doorway. It felt heavy and powerful, like an avalanche in her hands. The phone rang again. What did her mom want now? She considered not answering, but then figured she'd just get another lecture later if she didn't. Hello? Merry Christmas, sweet girl. It was Maddie's father. Hi. Where you been? I've been calling. Not him, too. I went for a walk. Oh, yeah? Where'd you go? He didn't sound angry at all. Just around. Is it cold out there today? Maddie had to think. Not really. It's really cold here. I stopped to fill up the car on the way home last night, and my nose froze together. Maddie laughed before she caught herself. I miss you, Maddie. I wish you were home this Christmas. Her father sounded more sincere than sad. What are you doing today? Maddie asked, not terribly interested in the answer. Samantha's brother called this morning, which was a total surprise. He said he was just thinking about me and wondering how I was doing. That was nice. Yeah, I thought so, too. So, are you spending the day with Khan? No, we're sort of over. He's just... or maybe I'm... we're just over. Oh, honey, I'm sorry to hear that. It's okay. He's a total jerk. I honestly don't know what I saw in him in the first place. You saw happiness, of course. Same thing everybody sees who falls in love. I'm not in love, Dad, she snapped. I'm sorry. Don't be sorry. Don't be anything, okay? I'm fine. Oh, okay. They sat in silence on the phone for a while. Maddie played with a loose thread on her bedspread, and Ike paced his living room floor until he finally said, Well, I'm glad to hear your voice. I love you, Maddie. Okay. Merry Christmas. Bye. Maddie felt anxious when she hung up, clenching her teeth together and pushing out her bottom lip. She wasn't trying to be rude by not telling her father she loved him back, but the words would not come out of her mouth. They hadn't for years. The truth was, she didn't know if she loved him or not, and even if she did, she couldn't say it. 
This was her dance with her father, always pretending. She could never fix what was missing in his life, just like he couldn't fix what was missing in hers. They were both shattered. It was dark when she walked to the kitchen. She hadn't turned a light on in the living room when she got back from her walk, and the room had fallen into a gloomy shadow. She heard a little breeze outside, not enough to sound like a storm, just the trees rustling. She put the phone in the cradle in the kitchen and opened the fridge. She looked at the food, the lunch meat in its unopened package in the top drawer, the sliced cheese, the jugs of milk and orange juice, the oranges in the crisper below. Then she took the big half a honey-baked ham out and pulled a slice off the side. The fat fell away from the meat as she pulled, which was just as well. She took a big bite. Her tongue stung from watering so quickly. Then she heard something. Was that someone on her porch? She closed the refrigerator door and stood in the darkness of the kitchen with her mouth full. It looked like someone standing on the porch. Maybe it was just the shadow from the pine tree out front. She waited, too afraid to chew. A knock. That was definitely a knock. She chewed too quickly and swallowed with a painful lump as she tiptoed to the door without turning a light on. Maddie? A voice called from the other side of the dead-bolted door. Was that Con? Who is it? She asked. It's Con. Will you open the door? Will she open the door? Hmm, that is a good question. She wasn't sure. She stood there without moving, debating whether she wanted to open the door. What she really wanted was another mouthful of ham. Maddie, I want to apologize for earlier. No need, Maddie said matter-of-factly through the door. No, but I, I want to. Okay, she responded, still not reaching for the latch. So can I come in? Maddie watched her right hand lift toward the latch, wondering whose hand it was. She unlocked the door and opened it, without stepping out of the way to let him in. She didn't say anything, just opened the door wide enough to see his face. Can I come in? he asked with a hint of annoyance. It's not necessary. She felt so calm. There's no need to apologize. There's no need for anything. I'm fine. I just want you to leave me alone. He shook his head in confusion and started in. It's just weird between us, isn't it? This morning when I drove past you, I was actually hoping that you saw me, hoping that you got upset that I didn't stop. I don't know why I felt that way, but I wanted to hurt you. Then the more I thought about it, the more I hurt. I kept thinking how lonely you looked crossing Main Street on Christmas Day all by yourself. The street was so abandoned except for you. And you. And me. Where were you going? Maddie asked. Home. From where? Gina's. He waited for her reaction, almost seeming to look forward to it. But there wasn't one. She needed someone, he offered, as if that explained it. I got you something for Christmas, she remembered, almost laughing, and turned toward the bedroom where she had left his present. He pushed the door open and followed her through the darkened house. I've never been very good at presents, he offered lamely, glancing around the house a little nervously. Maddie walked to the bedside table where she had left his gift. She turned and handed it to him. He didn't reach out to accept it. Instead, he asked through a slightly dry mouth, "'What's with the gun?' She had forgotten she left the gun on the bed. "'Nothing.' 
What's going on, Maddie? He was frozen. Nothing. I own a gun, okay? I've owned it for years. I'm a woman living alone in the wild, wild west, and I own a gun. You got a problem with that? You afraid I'm going to shoot you or something? She sat down on the bed, dropping his present on the comforter, and picked up the gun. There's nothing to be afraid of, she said as she toyed with him, pointing the gun at him and pulling back the hammer. Whoa! Khan put his hands up in the air and started backing out of the bedroom. Hey, don't forget your present! Maddie cracked a smile when she heard Khan's rapid breathing. Take it. It might do you some good. Khan reached for the package like he was lifting up an armed bomb. He grabbed it with one hand, the other staying in the air. Okay, it's all right, Maddie. Her tone turned to ice. Oh, I know. That is one thing I know for sure. It is okay. It has always been okay. She spit out the okay with a voice that didn't sound like hers. You treat me like crap, and it's okay. You come on to me, then act like it's my fault, and it's okay. You follow me around and want me like a man possessed. Then when I want you back, you act like I'm some freak with a fatal attraction, and it's okay. My father leaves me. My mother is a lunatic. My husband was too good for me. It's all okay. I'm clear on that one, Con. There were tears sneaking out of her eyes now. What I'm not clear on is why you seem to enjoy humiliating me, or why I let you. I don't have that one clear in my mind yet, but I will, just as soon as you get out of my house! She kept screaming, Get out! Get out! Get out! Long after he had left and let the front door slam behind him in the dark. Maddie didn't take a sleeping pill that night. It never occurred to her to take one. She didn't leave her bed after Khan ran from the room. She didn't go to lock the front door behind him or even make sure he had closed it all the way. She just screamed until she stopped, then cradled the gun to her chest and lay back on the bed. She cried periodically, sang Silent Night occasionally, and stared up toward the ceiling. She fell asleep, she thought, although she noticed the clock at least once an hour during the night. Maybe this was what life was like without sleeping pills. She listened in the darkness to see if she heard Khan coming back and felt secure holding her gun close to her. Let him come. Let him come. No one could hurt her now. When the first light peeked through the curtains in her bedroom, she was waiting for it. She had wondered when it would arrive. She had hoped it would bring spirit with it. Good morning, she whispered with a lilt in her voice to no one. Maddie smiled as the light made its way up the wall and started to fill the room. She felt the warmth of it growing. Boxing Day, she thought, for no particular reason. She wasn't British. Her family had never celebrated Boxing Day. But she liked thinking of the day after Christmas being a special day all of its own. She didn't like thinking it was over, all the specialness, all the light gone. She had no decorations to put away today, no tree to take down. There were no presents to put in the closet, no cards to file or addresses to be added to the book. She did have leftovers, though, from the meal never prepared. There were potatoes and ham enough to feed her fifth-grade class. She smiled when she thought of the ham and then realized she was thirsty. That's when she felt the weight on her chest. She had fallen asleep holding the gun. Huh. That was strange. She had thought she dreamed it, but there it was, still in her hands. When she moved it, she realized her chest had been aching from its weight. 
She set the gun down on the bed and rubbed the center of her chest where it had laid through the night, keeping her heart anchored to the earth. She walked into the kitchen for a glass of water. The living room was filled with light. It was so beautiful, dreamlike, like the scene in a movie where everything seems too perfect right before somebody dies. Maddie felt a chill, then heard the door creak. The front door was open, just a crack. The air in the front room was cool and got cold as she walked nearer the door to shut it. When she pushed on the door, it wouldn't close. She looked down and saw a small box wedged in the door. It was a white box, not new, with a squiggly pen marking like someone had drawn a pen in circles to get the ink going again. There was no note, no wrapping, just a plain box about four by six. She opened the lid, and inside, lying on an old piece of cotton, was a large turquoise necklace. She lifted the necklace out slowly. The chain was made of blue beads, not of uniform shape or size, some more yellow than blue. The stone was a greenish turquoise, quite large, with beading around its oval-shaped edge. Maddie lifted out the cotton bedding. There was a note folded up underneath, like something one of her fifth graders would get caught passing in class. Dear Maddie, it read, I'm sorry about Christmas, about the pain I've obviously brought into your life, about the tears. I know that wasn't you last night. That was pain. I want you to have this necklace. It was my aunt's. It reminds me of you. Love, Con. P.S. I have another appointment with Dr. Theron tomorrow at one. Please come. Maddie put the note down on the coffee table and walked with the necklace back to the bathroom. She held it up to her neck, then fiddled with the clasp until it caught. She studied herself in the mirror and thought it was the ugliest thing she'd ever seen.